0: I'm locked up in memories
1: They all intertwine The memories living
2: In my my, mind I know tomorrow
0: Cause that zone will come You will never know you Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now. Scan Radio, show number 3254. This mm-hmm. is the National Association of Adults and Child Abuse. NASCA is a non-profit, self-supporting organization, and this is the mission statement of NASCA. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional trauma,
3: and neglect. Can I interrupt one second, Annie? Your audio is not very clear. I don't want you to do the whole introduction that way. But perhaps you could figure out maybe uh, refreshing the page or something so that we don't uh, mess up.
0: Let's try this. Is this better, Bill?
3: Just, so far it sounds so good, but it's only three three words, so say a few more. <laughs>
0: Okay, let's try it. We have a single purpose at NASCAR, to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma. Including uh, it's sexual still, assault.
3: Right, still tearing up a little bit. Is, is this the experience you're having too, Victoria?
2: Yeah, I can hear it. Um, is it tearing up? Yeah. I can yeah. Uh, I can uh, hear Hold on. I can read it. Um, Thank you. Sure. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now Blog Radio Show. And uh, so I'm going to go with the admission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, or CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous tests, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues um, involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Uh, I lost my page on what the scan is number, stay in a little while, and if you'd like to be part of the panel this evening, please call 646 Um and I'll meet you on the back line, and ask if you'd like to ask a question or have anything to say, and we would love to have you join us and support our guests, and uh, we don't have a special guest tonight, so we're going to do a topic on um, Annie and I, and uh, Annie, you want to come back on? and interviews our
0: topic
3: Victoria. yeah um, I'll... no, you know what, Annie, as long as the two of us stay on the line as long, as long as at least one of us stay on the line, it might be a good thing for you to do is simply hang up and call back on the same number you used, and uh, you won't we won't lose the show if one of us stays here, so we're fine, but if you hang up and call back, it's likely that you'll have a better line. Okay, Okay, she called in in as both. I didn't understand that. You both talked on on top of each other. I said she called in as both.
1: Yes,
2: I know. Oh, that's okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, try to call back in, Annie. That would be good.
3: Um, we um, but just to let you know, Victoria, and I don't want to have to repeat this necessarily for Annie, but um, we um, we uh, had some a, a little bit of a snafu with our scheduling today, and our, our normally scheduled person, uh, Monica, told me last minute she couldn't come. <laughs> so I went ahead and substituted myself for her. You can you can do this however you want. If you want to um do a topic show, that's perfect for me. But also if you want me to uh do, you know, some sort of co host I yeah. type thing, that's fine too. Either one.
2: Yeah, if you and would I'll, do yeah. that.
3: Um and there's Annie yeah, back. Pleased. Hi
2: Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Annie.
0: Yeah, well, um
2: I'm Bill's gonna be our, Bill's gonna be our guest tonight. Isn't that great? <laughs> Yay.
3: <laughs> All right. Um, we, we still can't tell until you say a, a, a little bit more, Annie, whether or not that work that fix worked. Could you say a sentence or two? Sure, and I'm glad that
0: you're here tonight still.
3: And uh, I'm not sure, what's going on? But um, it's not great, <laughs> so it's still not great. Um, I'm uh, happy to do this now. On these shows, I'll, listen, I'll say this to the public: we, um, we try to get the public to call in, and I certainly wanted that to happen tonight. Uh, and they can suggest the topic if they wish, but I am here in order to facilitate whatever topic comes up. Uh, and I hope that there's some from an other from an outside source, you know, from a person that's listening. I, I'll just produce. Uh, i proceed the show by saying that um, I am the founder of NASCA. Uh, I uh, founded it about, uh, what, uh, 15 years ago, roughly. Um, and it's, it's become a quite, a, quite a popular uh, place for people who are adult survivors of child abuse. And uh, it's a place for everybody. We hope that it's comfortable for everybody. Some people, uh, you know, it's not that you have to like it. deliberately built so that it would appeal to the most, the broadest community, uh, including uh, every ethnic background, every financial background, every educational background and political background, because none of those things matter to us. only thing that we talk about, and this was uh, what was just read here in our mission statement, was the desire to... um, uh, to educate the public and to offer many tools and services to the, uh, the newer or the current uh, adult survivor of child abuse who's identified and, and wants to be in recovery. We don't even promote any particular recovery. We promote all of the kinds of recovery, and there are many of them, uh, many tools and many paths. Uh, and we allow a person to basically select the one that seems best for them to follow up on. So um, we have uh, a lot of services, big website at nasca.org, N-A-A-S-C-A.org, which I'm still the um, webmaster for. And and these 15 years later, uh, it has proven that the original intent, which was to have a uh, organization Uh, a disorganized organization (laughs) that appealed to the largest group of people who really needed this kind of help and this only. We don't care what kind of politics you're into. We don't care about what you think about outside issues. And by outside issues, I mean like gun control and abortion rights and, you know, um, the the border and all that. None of that matters. We have people who believe in every type of those things, but they don't come into this discussion because, as far as NASCA is concerned, we only talk about one thing. And that's child abuse, the trauma from child abuse, and it's prevention, intervention, and recovery. So as I say, I am the founder of NASCA, and this is an opportunity for anyone who might have a, a, a question or an irk. <laughs> and they don't like NASCA for some reason to call in, and uh, we can have a bit of a debate about that if they wish. But everybody's right here. There's nobody wrong here, just it may not appeal to some people, and it will definitely appeal to others. And Annie and uh, Victoria are uh, two of the volunteers here. We're all volunteers, every, every one of us, who keep this thing going. And the things that they, well, among the things that they volunteer for are the host shows. And um, so that's why they're here tonight, to help uh, the community have uh, a place where they can share their story. They can hear other people's stories where they can learn about any of the issues, the many, many issues that involve um, child abuse and the trauma from child abuse. So how's that for an introduction? I hope people will call in. That's the idea and the concept of this show. To, we would love it if we could hear from any, anyone who's listening right now by calling in at 646-595-2118. I'll repeat that, of course, a couple of times here. 646-595-2118. That's our dedicated phone number, which we use every night, five nights a week. This is one. This is but one of the tools uh, 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 that NASCA provides to help with recovery. It's a radio show, as you can tell. It's a talk radio show. And it's, it's the 3,254th of this name, SCAN, S-C-A-N. Uh, that we've done, we do them five days a week, so it, it adds up pretty fast. But still, this goes back to, I believe, 2008 or 2009 might have been the first show we did under this name, and before that, we had done a couple of years' worth of shows under the name Community Matters, so we're, that's not even included in this number of shows. Uh, so it's a lot of shows, um, and, um, you know, we as I say, we hope that it's a service that people find productive. We know since all these shows are recorded, they're available to listen to later, and there's quite a library of uh, an archive. With 3,200 shows left, you know, uh, recorded, there's a lot of material that you can always go back, always, and pick out, say, a guest or a topic and click on the link, which is the number of the show. The show number is the name of the show. And it'll play. Boom. So without further ado, I'm going to be quiet for a moment, see if Victoria or Annie would like to make a mention of anything that I might have messed, messed up on. <laughs> okay, ladies. Well,
0: I'll say hi again and Thank you for that intro. Sound
3: okay. Well, you're welcome. Um we're still having a little trouble with your mic. We can hear most of what you're saying, but um, some of it is uh, a little broken up and garbled. So mm-hmm. I don't know why we can how we can fix this for you. I would really like to fix it for you. But
0: I think it has to do something. with my hearing aids somehow. Maybe,
3: maybe. I don't know.
2: I've had that problem with some people, and sometimes if you talk slower, it's easier to hear all of the words. <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so, well, I would like I would like to add that um, um, in my goings around, I've met a lot of adult survivors of child abuse, but I also met other people that um, like teachers and um, police officers and all different types of people that are working with children, you know, uh, community, people that do different, you know, things with kids and stuff. And then I've also met parents and what's really great about NASCA is it's not limited just to adult survivors of child abuse. Um, And we talked about that in the beginning that we have a lot of educational material for um, others that would like to learn about it and share NASCA's mission and uh, all the information that we have. And there's even um information go on there uh and get a lot of um all kinds of information on uh, doing a presentation um there's just there's so much um what it like over 42 programs so there's a lot and uh just start clicking on all the little buttons and drop down menus and 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 keep yeah keep your being very active for quite some time <laughs>
3: Right. Do you want you're to find a before you start? Because there's a lot there.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. If <laughs> exactly. you got a little bit of time on your hands or a lot of time on your hands.
3: Yeah. Um, there's
2: always information to learn. And for me, it's been real helpful because, um, I not only like the support for having the difficulties that I'm going through, but I also like to, to read about, uh, you know, statistics and what we can do and what has been done. And, uh, um how we can reach out to other people to share this message because there's a lot of people that are still struggling out there and I hope if anybody's out there struggling they'll call in and if you can't come call in tonight you don't feel ready call in another night like Joel says we're on five nights a week so uh you know if you can't call in tonight or you don't feel comfortable we'd really love to have you and um you know you can uh you don't have to talk, you can just come on and listen, and then if you decide you want to jump in, you can. Uh, usually on uh, these nights, we keep the uh, mics open, so if you are on and uh, you're not talking, you can always uh, hit the mute button so we're not getting all the background noise. And If if I'm in the middle of saying something and I hit the mute button, it's because I have uh, one service dog and I just got a new little girl. They're both Bashans, and sometimes they start barking. If the neighbor dogs bark; they have to join in.
3: <laughs> yeah. All right, and okay. i i just wanna I just wanna interject one contrary thought to what you just expressed, Victoria, and that is that if you don't feel like I'm talking tonight, go ahead and call anyway. Okay, that's part of the problem, is that right. we avoid uh, things that we believe are going to be uncomfortable. Frankly this is one of the most comfortable groups you'll ever find to share in front of because we are all coming from the same place. So there's a huge amount of identification and support from any kind of a survivor. It says here in the description that I'm uh, from my, my background is in a, in 12 state, 12 step based recovery. Um, And that's also part of the 12 step based recovery. The sense is that, you know, it, they called it uh, anonymous program because they knew that at first, at least, uh, people would be shunned if, they, if, if folks found out, for example, that they were an alcoholic. Uh, that's one of the main programs. It's a 12-step program. Well, that was back in the 30s. Today, it's not exactly the same, but there still are situations, and this is one of them, where if uh, you're keeping the secret of your child abuse story, uh, you will be. You may, and certainly, many of us experienced the reluctance to uh, open up about it because we believe that we'll be shunned by the community. And frankly, that used to be the case. No, no question, there are also people who uh, are, are certain that if they talk about the fact that they were abused as a child, then people will label them in different ways, uh, or that they may be found out. With quotes around it, by somebody who perpetrated uh, child abuse on them, and then they'll be uh, shunned in that community or by that person or punished by that person somehow. But anyway, here at NASCA, we don't do that. And if you wish to, you can you can stay anonymous here. I just want to put that out too. If you call in and we ask you, hi, what's your name and where you're from, you can say, I'm from Virginia, but I don't want to say my name. And we go, okay, no problem, you know. Uh, it doesn't matter. In fact, you can change where you're from too. <laughs> you can say, "I'm I'm Mary, and I'm from Maryland." Now, you might not you know, might might not believe me if I say that, but it could be true. <laughs> right.
2: Well, that's the other thing too. You know, I my abuser was out there still when I started with NASCA, and right. I changed my name. I eventually legally changed my name to Victoria, but whenever I did any kind of speaking. And whenever I came on any kind of radio shows, I went under the name of Victoria. So you have that option too. You don't, you know, you can, as Bill said, you know, um, we just, we want you to be here with us. Um, You don't have to be alone anymore.
3: All right. Well, um, thank you for that, Victoria. Um, We do want people who are listening to call in. This is a general topic show. We don't have a, a specific theme that we're going to insist on using tonight, it's up to you, frankly. Uh, We'll keep going with things that that come to our mind, but it's really meant to be a show that um, is is a general discussion show with with survivors and professionals, and uh, we'll field any topic that you want to bring up. And uh, please feel free to call in now. The number to dial is 646 595 2118 646-595-2118 and uh, we'll take we'll take any calls that come in now We're, there are three of us here Annie he's from Long Beach California Victoria she's from Minnesota uh, from the Twin Cities basic area and I'm Bill and I'm from Los Angeles California and the three of us are um, all survivors who um, have told our stories here, uh, some of us many, no, all of us many times. And um, the thing about, you know, I'll just bring this up. The thing about telling your story is that uh, it loses its authority, its weight, its power over you as you begin to tell it. Maybe even from the first time you'll notice a difference. But the thing about telling your story is uh, also true is that most of us uh, were determined to keep it a secret. I think I I think I thought I'd probably keep it a secret for the rest of my life when I was in my early twenties, shortly after I was, you know, struggling with the trauma that had that had come about because of the uh the abuse when I was younger. I thought I'd never tell the story. And here I am I'm actually seventy years old now. I don't know how many times I've told the story, (laughs) but it's been, you know, uh thousands I'm sure of times in a matter of thousands now, uh, in different ways, sometimes short versions, sometimes little, you know, little vignettes, sometimes the whole story. I've spoken at a couple of conventions before and told the long, the long version if you want. Um, and so the point is that the first time we tell our stories in an appropriate setting, which Victoria and Annie will tell you, they believe this is and so do I. Um, because of the kind of support you'll get, you know, we will, um, if we know it's your first time telling your story, we'll be pretty quiet, frankly, give you the floor and let you uh, tell whatever versions of whatever parts of your story you want, and we may lead you gently through the story, but we're not going to insist you tell us any part of your story at, at all, any particular part. Um, but what, what what may happen, and it's I'm saying this because i seen it over and over and over, there's a certain kind of an experience after telling your story for the first time that's extremely healthy. Um, and you're not finished just telling it the first time, but I often tell people that I believe we're, we are as sick as our secrets, and, and meaning that you know we're not going to recover until we give up our secrets, and this is the, the big secret of our life. Um, even from the very time you, you first tell it in an appropriate setting, you may feel a reaction that's a kind of a lifting of the weight that you may have been carrying around since your child abuse. Not completely lifted, but a little lifting. You know, it's it's like uh, we're starting to feel it could make a difference. So the next time we tell our story, it may be that we uh, get to, we get a little more of the weight lifted and so forth. Eventually, depending on the person, we uh, tell the story enough or in the right Kinds of places uh, where people respond gently to us and, and, and helpfully to us, that the story starts to have the tremendous impact we expect it's going to have when we tell our when we tell it. it. It gets less and less and less and sort of lighter and lighter and lighter to carry, and we then start to tell our story for a different reason, because not because of the burden that it is for us, but because we know that. There are many people out there, and I'm sure they're there tonight who are hearing uh, this version of a show and are thinking, well, I got a story that I could tell someday. I sure hope I could find the ability to do so and if 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 there if people are out there doing that like that, we want to sort of testify with, by telling our stories um, to give them courage to come forward someday, not necessarily now, but someday. With their own story, and we and we tell them, it will make a huge difference in your life to get on that healing journey on that path. Uh, as, as, again, as long as it's in a an appropriate space, for example, uh, with a therapist, uh, with a uh, tr- with the 12-step program that I was in, I am in uh, the uh, the radio show that we're on right now, where there are only people who are going to support you. Anything like that, anything that's an appropriate type of sharing, um, you know, uh, will help a great deal to move you forward. Eventually, you'll feel catapulted into a new kind of sense of yourself. And, um, you know, isn't that what we all want? What we want? To feel Definitely. better. Yeah. Uh, Bill, right. you know, you,
2: you yeah. mentioned that uh, some people might be listening. Uh, Vinny's here, and we don't usually talk in the both on our own phones, um, because it um, echoes <laughs> pretty bad. And uh, he just had a question he wanted me to ask you. Um, is um, Was self-discipline um, difficult for you after being, like, uh, verbally, emotionally abused as a child? And, and how do you, if it was, um, how would somebody work through that?
3: I wouldn't say it was self-discipline. I'd say it was being off course with the quality of my life. It wasn't about discipline so much as, um, you know, I made, ter- I made bad choices thinking that they were going to help me deal with the feelings that I had in, in uh, trauma. Uh, but they, and, and to some degree they worked to a small amount for at first anyway, like drinking, for example, was one of the things that I did to, um, to get over how I felt about me. I hated me. I hated what I had gone through. I hated the secret I was keeping. I hated that if I, that I supposed that if I spoke up about it, that people would judge me. And all these things put together were um, making me uh, select, you know, make decisions and choices that were inappropriate. So I don't think it was a matter of discipline so much as it was to um, learn you know, what was appropriate and not appropriate in kind of lifestyle. It took a while. I mean, I didn't decide right away that drinking was a problem. In fact, as I said before, drinking, well, I don't know if I said this before, but I do say sometimes drinking was kind of my solu- my solution. It, it made possible to live inside my own body without, um, you know, feeling like uh, like I was going to die on account of the stuff I was holding inside. So, um, for some people, that's that's one of the things they do. For other people, it's um, you know they have sort of psychological uh, quirks—not quirks. What do they call them? Um, mannerisms and so forth that they take on. And I mean, the decision only once you decide, only once you decide, and it's hard to decide that you're going to be one way or another. Can you? Make a mistake or not. Keep on that straight and narrow path or not. And frankly, I was on an extremely straight and narrow path as a child. I was brought up extremely Catholic. And all of the rules of Catholicism were applied to our family and to me. And uh, I really resented that, to be honest. And I, you know, developed a a kind of a, um, a rebellion against some of it. Uh, So, yeah, that was a decision. I decided to do something that was against the authority of the church or authority of I was brought up with or something like that. But um, I, I don't think of it in terms of having a problem with making decisions so much as having a problem avoiding the consequences of child abuse trauma. Does that make sense? <laughs> it makes sense to me, Bill. Thank you. You're welcome, Vinny. You know I know Vinny Annie, and if he wants to respond to me, he's perfectly uh, capable of doing that. He's sitting next to Victoria. They can just put the phone on. Um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, on, Jesus, um, I can't think of the word. Hey, Speaker. phone Thank you, sweetie. Bye. My my wife is here with me. <laughs> uh, you can put yourself on speaker, and you can both be heard at, on the same phone if you wish.
0: How about now? Can can you hear me better now? Uh,
3: so far, um, yeah. Okay. Did you say something just then? I didn't hear the second thing you said. Oh, not hearing you now, Annie.
0: Good.
3: Thank you. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> well, so I could ramble on and on and on about more stuff if you guys would like. It's up to you. Give me a direction and wind me up. You know, boom, I'm gone. <laughs> All right. So, I I wasn't going to do this, but because I've done it so many times, but again, The reason that we tell our stories at first is to get our relief for ourselves. Uh, We continue to do that over and over and over. And eventually, you know, the story does not have the burden that it used to. And And then at a certain point we start telling the story not to relieve the burden for ourselves, but to relieve the burden for other people who may come to realize that if Bill can tell his story, maybe I can tell mine someday and, and that would be good because I haven't told mine. So here, here we go. I wasn't going to tell mine, but I'll just tell you the brief amount of, amount of what I need to, to to get you to know that in my case, um, the the abuse was the result of uh, of that Catholic upbringing, I guess, because I was in a community of Catholicism, if you want to call it that. And um, being a little boy, uh, I was apparently attracted to uh, priests and brothers who were pedophiles. Uh, I thought they were homosexuals, and I used that language until I got into recovery myself in my 30s, and I came to realize that not all priests are, are homosexuals, but some of them are pedophiles, and they could be they could be heterosexual pedophiles. But that's not how I related to it. So part of my shame was that you know I was uh, approached by priests and brothers who. And uh, who um, apparently found me attractive as an 11-year-old boy. And that continued for um, three summers in a row, a month at a time each summer, because the first time I was abused was at a summer camp. Uh, and it was run by by brothers. And then I went to um, high school, and I was actually so interested in Catholicism that I thought I might want to be a priest, and I attended a minor seminary. Now, this was with Benedictine priests, which doesn't really matter who it was, but it was priests and monks. Um, and again, when I found myself in this school, uh, there were some monks there who uh, identified with me as being susceptible to child abuse and came on to me in various ways, and that had lasted another two years. So basically for a total of about five years of active, uh abuse um i um suffered at the hands of mostly priests and brothers between the ages of 11 and the middle of high school uh which was a seminary as i say as a prep school where i lived with a, a bunch of boys and uh, some priests who were our prefects they they were our, our dons in the school and our teachers um Junior year of high school, I came back to school after spending the summer at home, and I was pissed off. Boy, I was, I was angry. <laughs> I, I had clenched fists, and I was just, I was gonna punch anybody that, even hinted at thinking that I might have been gay or whatever, a fag. It wasn't called gay back then. It was called a faggot. <laughs> uh, and um, so I kept my mouth shut, but I, that didn't stop the. The fact that I even, I wasn't, even though I wasn't abused, from the, from the abuse to start to affect me and it became what's called trauma. Trauma is not the abuse itself, it's the reaction to the abuse that happens after. It can happen immediately after, but often it happens when we are less vulnerable, uh, and certainly that was it for me. I, I was, um, I was, uh, a, uh, I was a seminary student, as they say, but uh, that didn't make me less vulnerable. Uh, what made me less vulnerable was that I was angry. I, you could tell if you came approached me with any of these concepts of of using uh, this young man now as a young man, you were going to get punched out at least. <laughs> so, um, this um, in between these two experiences the The school experience, which was the second of the things in high school, and the uh, summer camp experiences were the first of the things that happened the three years before high school. Um, I was also taken on a trip. I call it a kidnapping. It lasted two or three weeks. My parents gave full permission because they knew the man that took me uh, by then. They knew him for several years, Um, and in a legitimate sense, he had uh, produced a number of pictures of not only myself, frankly, but my sister as well, who went to a a sister camp, (laughs) to the one that I went to, and um, he produced, he was a photographer of some talent, quite a bit of talent, and he uh, produced photography that uh, my sister and I both, uh, were featured in that made it um, really difficult for them to not say, oh, sure, you want to take Bill on a vacation with you? Sure, that's fine with us. They let, it, they let him take me. They didn't know about the pictures that were illegitimate, which thousands of which were taken of me uh, during, the, during the three summer camp years on the trip that was about to happen. Uh, but thousands and thousands of photographs were a part of this experience. And uh, they were all, you know, pornographic photographs. And uh, so they let me go. And uh, I was at his mercy because I didn't know where we were exactly. I, I I was a few hundred miles away from home. We ended up at Montreal, in Montreal at the... A uh, thing called Expo '67, which in 1967 had been established to um, uh, to be similar to a, a world's fair, basically, is what it was. And uh, but it, it it was a huge exhibit of international uh, folks who were um, who were um, you know showing off their country, their country usually internationally known so we had to go up there and take pictures of me standing in front of some of these exhibits which were well known uh, so that he could prove that we'd been there and that's why we went at all because the rest of the trip um, all but the last two night, two days and one night between them were spent in many different locales that involved a naked little boy a naked little boy camp was one of them Uh, a um, let's see uh, a a visit to a variety of different people numerous different people who he tried to share me with sort of traffic me with like offering me as his uh, as his to service them and I was refusing and the guy got more and more angry the the brother that had taken me through these things because I didn't know what was going to happen but I didn't like it and I was saying no no, 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 no. And in the meantime, he was trying to, um, you know, trying to, uh, trying to abuse me in a variety of different ways. So that was between the, the time at the camps and the time at the school. And it was a time which I consider a, a kind of a kidnapping because I didn't know where I was. He did not take me to where my parents were told we'd be taken. I didn't know how to escape. I was in a a series of foreign states, New York State, Vermont, upstate New York, New York City, uh, Montreal, and so forth. Uh, All these places, um, which I had no idea how to get out of. And there wasn't a 911 system back then, by the way. Uh, You know, I probably could have stopped a cop, I guess. As a matter of fact, this is an interesting little, little tidbit I don't tell often. On the way up to Montreal... Um, this brother and I were in the car. A car, he I don't know if it was his car or a rented car or what, but he had um, met me in New York City at the Port Authority because he taught school himself at a Catholic high school in Brooklyn. Um, and so he had some kind of accommodations and space at a school which he was going to be teaching at in three weeks or so. Uh, and he had a dark room there and all this camera equipment, as they say, he, he had been showing me the camera equipment all along. And to make a long story short, on the way up to Montreal, we were pulled over in the middle of the night by a state trooper, a New York state trooper. Uh, and the, and the state troopers are the ones that, you know, uh, that patrol the, the, um, Freeways, we call them freeways here. The through, the throughways, the turnpikes back there, and they stopped him for speeding and pulled him over, and they he showed him their his documents and stuff. And I was sitting there on the front seat, and I was just, I clammed up. I didn't know what I should do, but this guy was at the end of this sort of they say kidnapping thing, and I didn't, I didn't realize it, but I'm sure if I had said something, the cop would have at least. Um, made him, um, you know, examine the situation a lot closer. But he spoke to the guy for a few minutes, showed him, some docu- showed him some documents and so forth, warned him to slow down when we took away. And I don't remember how he explained me. Maybe I was his son or something. I don't know. But we got back on the road and went. We went up to Montreal, stayed one night in the car, uh, sleeping in the car, took pictures, came back down to New York City, put me on the bus in the court authority and sent me home to Virginia where my family was living. And that was that. So there was this opportunity for me to, you know, f- uh, kind of flag down the, the state trooper, uh, but I didn't do it. So I came that close to being discovered or he came that close to being discovered, but it didn't happen. I don't think he's ever been discovered. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, I identified him to the authorities in Maryland, who in turn uh, got the assistance of the FBI. This is going back a few years to look for him, and he, he had a he had a regular name, like an earthly name he was born with. That was not the same name that I knew him of. I knew him of a, a religious name, but the, the FBI was able to find him, and he was in San Diego. I understand, and I was here in Los Angeles, but they refused to extradite him even though they talked to him at his door of his house, and he had, a, he had married a, a woman, a wife. Um, don't know anything else about him really personally except that they had done what they call a door knock. He came to the door, and they explained why they were there, and uh, he backed off. Closed close the door and that was that. They, they didn't have a warrant or anything, so he would have had to uh, acquiesce to inviting them in at that point. And when they explained this to the federal officers, explained this to the, the people from Maryland, the district attorney there decided that um, she wasn't going to proceed with trying to bring him in because that they'd had a bad experience before when someone in their 80s uh, had 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 a heart attack or nearly had a heart attack being extra guided across the country in Maryland. And it was a, a big mess. And maybe lawsuits were involved. I don't know. But for, for that reason, they weren't willing to, um, to do it with him. So, um, that's as close as I ever got to, uh, to him, uh, and in, in all these years later. And I, I did sue, uh, the church with, for him, and for the other two, the other case was with two specific priests that I knew for sure had molested me at Saint, at the place I went to high school, Saint Vincent's, and um, Saint Vincent's priests. Uh, one had been deceased, the other was was uh, prevented from going off campus, if you will. Off the, you know, it was a big monastery, big archabbey, with a with a college and a, a parish and art school and so forth. Um, they they stopped giving him blanket permission to go off campus by himself. He had to go with somebody else, another another priest, or to borrow uh, vehicles from the uh, from the order. Again. Uh, he was severely really restricted and since has passed himself. So two out of the three, the two Benedictines are gone, uh, but there is a, a, a pending case, a long pending case with the Catholic church for the two Benedictines and the one uh, brother from another organization, that Catholic organization that I don't know if he's alive or, or not now, but it is part of the lawsuit. So three three men, and there were other men and brothers uh, and boys, older boys, who had to have been told by at least one of the priests who came to me uh, you know, looking for some kind of sexual flavor, favor when I was a freshman and sophomore in high school um, and had to have been told. I didn't tell anybody except the one priest who promised that he would hear my confession and I told him the whole story that I'm basically telling you but in far more detail Um, and got that confession, got absolution, got uh, penance to say, uh, got instructions on how to behave, so forth. And I thought, this was when I was a freshman in high school, just after the experience of being on the road with that brother. And I was Really happy that somebody had had started to provide me with sort of my healing journey that early as was a freshman in high school uh and, and did it in terms of the Catholic experience that I knew so well um, and I walked away from that thinking you know i was uh, I was on the right track now, but the man that I told the confession to um himself was. To some degrees um, a pedophile of his own on his own and was interested in not just me, I found out later but others too. I had basically told the wrong person. This is why I want people to understand it's important to tell in the right situation. Yeah, it's important to tell, but it's as important as anything else to tell in the right situation because I did not. and I didn't know I was telling in the wrong uh, situation. But the fact that I did, you know, it cost me another 15 years of time before I even began getting into recovery, uh, and, you know, after I developed uh, bad habits, you know, bad predictions, uh, drug, drug, drug addiction and alcohol addiction and, and so forth. Um, and, I, you know, I made a mistake by telling the wrong person. It wasn't a deliberate mistake. I didn't even know it was a mistake. I didn't know anything about it child abuse or the issues of child abuse at the time this was going on. Of course, nobody does. Not when you're that age. You know, you just know something's wrong. Uh, You may know that what's happening to you, if your story's a little different than mine, if your father's beating you or raping you, you know that's wrong. Uh, But it wasn't that, that wasn't the case with me. It was outside people who at first I thought had, Best intentions for me, like the story I just told about giving up my story to the priest. Uh, so you know, it's it, each one of us is a little different, but um, it's it's still not our fault, no matter what. And this is something you learn at NASCA. We will all tell you that the child who's involved in child abuse is the non-guilty party. They are the innocent party. Children are always innocent. The guilty party, the one that's responsible. The one that should feel the shame but doesn't is the perpetrator. The perpetrators are older than us. They're, uh, you know, they're not children anymore. You know, children cannot form uh, the same kind of thinking capacity that you can later in life uh, as an adult. When you're an adult, you know, you're responsible for what you do with a child, not the child. And uh, so you're always the one at fault, not the child. Uh, and you don't know this though. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing this on tonight's show. Uh, and I hope so because I want to give you, bring you at least a little freedom to uh, to, to allow yourself to understand that you are not um, the big bad person that you may think you are. You're you you were affected by uh, someone who's really sick, really badly sick, and criminal. These all these these things are criminal as well uh, because there's no situation where any child which is to say anybody under 18 can give permission to be uh, certainly to be sexually abused sexually used you know all those acts are, are criminal every single one of them is a separate criminal act uh, and so i hope you can hear that too again tonight and that you're learning at least one or two things as we go through this this evening so let me pause for a second and get victoria or annie to speak up for a moment and we'll see whether they come up with ladies
0: hi it's annie
3: yeah hi
0: hi i just i wanted to comment a little bit from my experience and that was that the the religion made it confusing for me because I believed in my religion totally and it taught me that my dad was like right next to God, you know, I had to obey him and everything. Well then he was, you know, molesting me. And so I was I was mentally torn by this. And I I wondered if the the confusion with the religion happened to you, too?
3: Well, little Catholic boys are taught, and girls, too, frankly, are taught that the priest is God, you know? The priest is like the leader of the community. My parents believed that totally. The priest, some of the priests, not the ones that molested me, but some of the priests that I was familiar with and was brought up around, you know, they were regulars at our house, too. And we were... We were regular volunteers at their church. So, you know, we were very mixed up with them, and they were the bosses, you said. Uh, One of the things that, you know, really, I think, pleased my parents about what happened to me when I was young was that I came to them to to suggest that I'd like to explore um, becoming a priest myself. So I asked to go to a, a seminary. They didn't. They didn't suggest it, but I'm sure that meant a lot to them. Wow, he's, maybe we have somebody here in our house that'll become a priest himself. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of power in the leadership that's around you when you're a uh, when you're a survivor of uh, uh, when you're a, in a in a household like that where dad's the boss or the priest is the boss or some. In fact, that my mother was the boss in our house, <laughs> not my dad. <laughs> um, but I understand what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. You know, by the way, Annie, your the the last stuff that you said um, was completely clear. So maybe you should continue to use a speakerphone when you when you make these calls.
0: Okay. And you know what else? I'm in a different room.
3: Maybe you need to do both. I don't know, <laughs> but the <this> sword. <is> <laughs> we'll work on it. Okay. Just so, so you know, Victoria
1: stepped away for a little bit. Are we stuck with you? Yeah. I guess right so. Oh,
3: no. Oh no.
1: Yeah. Oh no! Come on now.
3: Right, I thought we were playing.
1: I thought we were playing nice.
3: I'm playing nice. But then oh, Victoria yeah. abandoned oh,
1: well, I don't know why.
3: <laughs> well, let me get, take this opportunity to introduce you and Annie to each other. Annie's from Long Beach. And uh Vinny is uh well, he's a, you're you're Victoria's housemate but plus you're a housemate plus. <laughs> yeah, sorry. right.
1: Yeah, so, housemate um, yeah, I like that. I like that. Housemate plus.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh so they're in Minnesota, Annie, and um, Annie and I are both in California, as you, I think you know, Vinny. You know who I am. Got it. Hello,
1: Vinny. Uh, Hi, Annie. Pleased to meet John. Same here. Yeah.
3: Annie's uh, a. Um, Annie's a good worker for us too, just like Victoria is. So. You know, then it's of course. When I say worker, I mean volunteer. They're not, not a job. They don't have a job. They have a, they have a commitment, but not a job. <laughs> right. I do have another question for you, Bill. Absolutely. Go right ahead.
1: Is there any statistics that people that come from abused families uh, automatically or relatively become codependent
3: from abused families?
1: Well, well, no, See, no. Children that are abused and then they grow up and they become codependent, or is there any kind of stats on that?
3: Um, I'm sure that they they do break it down that way. I I don't because I'm not even really sure what you'd call codependent. I know there's, for example, um, you know the um, the the twelve step program of ACA, which is adult survivors right. of child. Uh, you know, of, 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 of parents who are alcoholics. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, that certainly indicates some kind of indep- independency or interdependency or whatever. Um, right. But I don't, I mean, I'll tell you this. There is something called the uh, Star, Not what's it called, Annie? The start not the Star Test. What's the test? Um, it's a 10-question test. It's a very simple test to take. And all of the uh, questions that are given are um, yes and no questions. The more yeses you answer, the more likely it is that you've been damaged through some kind of abuse, which has to do with, you know, with the question you're asking. So the questions are things like, has anyone in your family ever been in prison? <laughs> you know, uh, has 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 your have your parents been divorced? Uh, how much? You know, it's questions like that. They're broad questions, and you simply answer yes or no. At the end of right. the, test, there's ten questions. So the higher number of yeses, the more likely it is that you've been exposed to trauma and therefore are um, I are mean, exposed to abuse and are are are, are going are going to exhibit traumatization. <laughs> and, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So this is what's the, the name kind of that yeah, what's the name of that test, Annie? I'm trying to think of it. ACE, Belletti- I think. ace oh, That's right. Absolutely. It's the ACE test, the uh, uh, Adverse Child Experience Test. Yep. That's oh, it. really? Yeah, cool. And it's very simple for anybody. It's pretty good. It actually was created to indicate um, to see if there was an indication a way to indicate that a person that was obese might have a predilection to obesity, though so it wasn't written about child abuse originally mm. but it didn't take long before they realized oh this could apply to trauma in one's youth
1: and, right uh, and
3: and the result would be the uh, you know the manifestation of the well uh, to to abuse in in youth and the result would be the manifestation of trauma in adulthood or, or adolescence.
1: Yeah.
3: been doing this test for quite some time, this is what so I I know the statistics, but not one that's on the head of what you're asking about. But right. There are there are so many tests that are done, and now uh, colleges are actually teaching uh, childhood uh, trauma recovery. Courses to their psychology students and psychiatry students. They they were not doing that before. Uh, when I was when I was you know new to recovery, they didn't even believe boys could be abused. That's how bad it was back then. It's no longer like that. We do believe boys could be abused now, but um, the medical community still is behind the eight ball with um, you know trying to catch up to. Sort of the the place that the recovery community that you and I might be in, we already mm. know these things, but they got to right. be taught to to a psychologist student in the course of their psychology, and not just for an hour or two in a, in their whole career, but in you know for as a course of study, and they are starting yep. to offer that uh, in many colleges. That's very helpful. Um, yeah. So That's just,
1: you so know I, and. I just got this theory that, you know, this is uh, 2022 and I I just got this theory, the world should be further along than it actually is, you know?
3: I wonder if that's the the sense of the world that each era comes to. It might be. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I certainly thought I'd be further along than I ever got. (laughs) Uh-huh. Um, so, I don't know, I also thought, I just turned 70 I also thought that I would never reach 70 Or if I did, I'd be, you know, <laughs> it'd be amazing And here it is, and it's amazing no. I don't know how that happened <laughs> you know? Oh, you sound good for 70 hmm. Of course, Thank that's you, only Buck, two Martin. years away from where I am Yeah, well, I think you got to get yourself a good wife like I have And then she helps you get to 70 I suppose. <laughs> I'm actually um, having uh, serious surgery on Monday, um, and I've had a couple in my adulthood. I think they could be related to the trauma that I, I uh, experienced. You know, and I'm now forty years into recovery, so a long time. I, I started to get clean and sober at thirty, and as a part no. of that, started telling my story and realized that the 12 steps could be applied to child abuse because I had tried, I had tried to get some, some recovery started and nobody um, uh, understood that I could, I could even be abused as a, I guess I was maybe, well, in my twenties, you know, but when I was 30, I realized I did have an alcohol problem. I didn't think I was an alcoholic, but, so I went to some of these meetings and I ended up never leaving And learning that you can apply the 12-step process to many, many, many kinds of problems in life. Um, And, you know, that was being borne out by groups that were springing up at the time, like Cocaine Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, eventually Gambler's Anonymous, and so forth. So I just started thinking of it as Child Abuse Anonymous. And, uh, you know, I, I applied the same 12 steps to being an abused person who was seeking to recover from the trauma of it. That's it. Right. I just replaced the words with, you know Yeah. And some food for thought right there. That's what I
1: did. Yep. Yeah. And it worked. Well, you mentioned the age test and I was I was saying I was I was gonna tell somebody about the twenty questions for adult children alcoholics the other day.
3: Yep. But but I think that was more of a boundary thing with me. It's the same kind of idea, though. You you know you can you can you can understand doing one what the others like either way. You know you could understand it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you know these are pretty simple to answer questions. Most of the time, the tests are designed so that the more times you answer one way or the other, the more likely you are to. Uh, lean towards one or the other, whatever the whatever the question is that they're trying to answer. So, yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that. Although I don't I don't think my parents were alcoholics. I was adopted anyway, so every every situation in my life, including right now, I'm faced with with um, the reality that I don't know my generic background, which is fine, right? But I just don't know it. So they want to do surgery on me, and they ask, you know, is there any heart disease in your family? I say, I don't know. I was adopted. Oh, is there any kidney failure in your family? I say, I don't know. I was adopted. (laughs) Right. And they say, is there any leukemia in your family? And I say, look, every one of these questions you're going to ask me, I'm going to answer the same way. I don't know. I was adopted, you know. Right. but But I will tell you I've had operations before where I've had Anesthetic given to me, and I've been fine. They go, "Oh, really? That's what they want to. That's what they want to learn. You know, if you can survive." <laughs> so they ask you all this stuff before you go under the knife. <laughs> right. But that you've had anesthetic, uh, anesthesia. Um, you know, in my case, several times in my past. That's that's the big deal for me. <laughs> so I'm having a big operation on Monday, and it's just part of life. You know, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly how much of my life and my life's experience is related to the fact that I was an abused child. But I was, you know, I was pretty seriously abused for, uh, as I said, for five years. Uh, and the abuse doesn't stop, even though the activity stops. That's what trauma is. It keeps going and it keeps manifesting in different ways. Um, and, you know, my – my the pornography – I was taken, you know uh, – i was I was used as a model pornographic model when I was a kid at eleven years old I remember um you know I didn't have any hair on my body, for example. I didn't even know what the word sex" meant and they never heard right. of it before. We didn't talk about it in my family. We were too Catholic for that <laughs> uh, so you know um i was um I was one sick puppy in certain ways. I don't know if that includes needing arteries replaced. You know, I, I, my, my, my aorta was occluded several years ago. They replaced it with something artificial. And uh, it started at my heart, went down my chest. They opened me up all the way down in my groin, both directions, connecting to the femoral arteries, one on each side. And the upshot of the whole thing is that the left side worked and the right side didn't. So I have kind of a leg that, on the right side, it, it causes me pain. It's freezing cold. It's uh, It falls asleep, and I fall over. And this has been going on ever since the first operation, which is now years ago. And they're finally right. doing uh, a fix, which they're call, they call it a bypass, because what they do is they cut open my stomach, kind of like you would if you were having an incision for a uh, – for a, uh, a child, for childbirth, what's that called? A um, oh, cesarean. Yeah, a cesarean. Across the bottom of my stomach, uh, and above my groin, and they connect the left side, which is healthy, to, to the bypass. Go across my stomach, and they connect it to the right side, which is dead. You know, the, the right side of my My leg, the right leg doesn't get any blood. And it's freezing cold and painful. So that's what this is for. It's a major operation, but it's only a portion of the operation I had once before, which was, you know, even more major, but still they're similar. That's for the same kind of idea, the smaller uh, distances. So anyway, the point is that you never know what's going to come up. You never know what exactly is related to uh, the impact of trauma you know on your life, um, there certainly are physical reactions to child abuse issues in trauma um, and they're often related to stuff like um, nervous disorders um, yeah. stomach disorders um, you know uh, yeah al- a lot a lot of alcoholics uh, and uh, we'll tell you that they had child abuse. Also, you know, a lot of people in prison had child abuse in their in their young life. Um, right. And, and that's related. Many things are related, but it's hard to put a straight line to any one of them. It's easy to put a wavy line to many of them, kind of like a spider's web, but you're not really sure which one, which, which piece of the web the spider's going to come down next, but it's there, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so uh, I'm going to be out of action for a little while. People like Annie and Victoria uh, are going to take care of things for me there at NASCAR. That's good. Victoria uh, should have gotten her box of stuff today, did she?
1: Uh, I didn't check the mailbox. I'm the guy that usually checks the mailbox.
3: It should be a. Did you uh, maybe a, 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 oh,
1: a UPS? Oh, UPS. Yeah. All right.
3: Well, I'll check. I'll check out front as soon as we get off the phone here. She was um, sent this stuff by Tammy in Florida. Tammy's our treasurer who was storing it, and it's a box of materials for her to use this weekend. And right. Tammy was told that it would be delivered on Friday. So um, that's why I'm asking. It might be tomorrow. You know. Right. It might come tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I still got to anyway, check the mail. We had somebody steal our mail the other day.
3: Oh, no, that's horrible. Yeah.
1: yeah horrible. They hit, like, 30 mailboxes, and they found it along a walking trail that's by our house. Oh, for goodness sake! Yeah, I know. It's like a federal offense. Oh, it is? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, um, Annie, you got any uh, anything you'd like to add or ask or whatever?
0: Um, been listening, but I haven't really been coming up with questions.
3: Um, That's because Vinny's so good at explaining himself. Yeah, right. Really. <laughs> you don't have to have questions um, at all. And nobody out there has to have questions at all either. But it's still, it would be a great idea if uh, we could get a caller or two to, to give us a jingle. Just so we know that there there are people out there listening, it feels a lot better when you know people are listening. They don't have to have a burning question, a burning desire to be on air. But let, let me just tell them that I would feel great to see a, a phone line or two light up. And so... Please do call if you're listening. Uh the number is always the same at this show. Uh five nights a week. It's 646 595 2118. That's 646 595 2118. That's our dedicated phone line. And as I say it, it it works for uh, only for us. It's our it's uh, we own it, that number. <laughs> um and uh, it comes right into our studio, and uh, we can see it when it comes in, and we'd be delighted to help you get on the air and say hello. 646-595-2118, right? But still no calls. I'm glad I'm not holding my breath, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. <laughs> then you'd be in the hospital sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, let's see. I'm going to try and leave. Uh, this is for Annie. I'm going to try and leave um, NASCA in pretty good shape. Well, in, in as good a shape as I can. Uh, my surgery's on Monday, but I'll have... Uh, the rest of tonight, tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday to, to collect um, information on guests and so forth and update the website and all the things I normally would do a little in a little slower pace. I'm going to try and speed up so I leave you guys in good shape and won't have to worry, at least for a while, about coming back. Now, uh, Carol uh, will help with any fires that come up, you know, if she'll put out any fires that come up. But everybody's been aware of the impending surgical procedure I'm going to have and is, you know, going to be participating in helping us uh, get along. So without me, which is good. You don't need me. <laughs> How many days are
1: you predicting you'll be down?
3: The surgery, as I say, is fairly uh, significant. So it's going to take it's a long surgery, it could take half a day and then or more. Wow. And then and then um, you know you go to the recovery room for a night or two and then they move you from there to the hospital floor for a night or two. And then they send you at home uh, and your significant other, in my case Christina, my wife, uh, will be my nurse here at home. And I'll be pretty much flat on my bed flat on my back in bed, but I'll have access to my phone and computer for the most part within a few days, uh, at least when I'm home from that point. So I'm trying to get um, all the guests that we need for the next, certainly for the next week or 10 days all lined up so that I don't have to worry about it like that. Yeah. And you already had your pre-op appointment? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had five of them today, was it, or the day before? Wow. Uh, yes, yeah, five appointments in one day. <laughs> I was exhausted. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I bet. You know, stopping here and there for this test and that, you know, a lot, that questionnaire and that visit and so all that stuff, So five different uh five different departments in the same hospital I had to visit. Culminating with the vascular department, which is the one that does the surgery. Right. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well cool. Uh standard for you, Bill. Thank you very much. I always appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to expect little puppy dogs, aren't you? Yeah. Hope so. We'll see. I, I told her that. There wasn't any way she could keep them apart. What was that? I didn't think there was going to be any way that she could keep them apart. Oh, I did a pretty good job. Oh,
1: did you? Oh, yeah. I, in my opinion, yeah. But, Yeah. And I was downstairs in my bedroom and uh all of a sudden all hell broke loose. Oh well. That's all right. We we're gonna get a uh x ray here in a month, see if, if there are any puppies or how many puppies, you know, because you wanna kinda of wanna know how many are due to come out.
3: Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, so you know, I'm she- to
3: move. go ahead, Bill. No, Victoria had sent uh, some puppy diapers to me. Not they're not diapers, but they're prophylactic or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and pro-phylactic. I still have them because the, as soon as I got them, the dogs were on top of each other, and that was that. So I didn't send them to you yet. I still have them. I don't think you need ah. them anymore. No, not for this time around. Right. So. <laughs> That's why you never got them sent back to you. <laughs> I don't know why sure you send them to me to begin with. <laughs>
1: yeah. It sure was a live and learn situation, though, I'll tell you that. No. I thought our dogs were smarter. At least I thought the male dog was smarter, was smarter than that.
3: You know? I, um, I think the male dog just wants a female dog at a certain point, and that's that, you know? Yeah. But I'm sure that the puppies are, well, the reason to have the second dog of the same breed was eventually to breed them. It's just happening too soon or sooner than you expected, right? right? Yeah. yep, That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, the same
1: breed, I'm sure that'll help. We'll see what happens when we talk to the vet.
3: Right. Good. Well, enjoy the puppy dogs. Oh, I I, love, I I enjoy the two of them now. Yeah, I love animals. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Well,
1: I always tell Victoria our one dog is smarter than the both of us put together.
3: Well, I don't find that surprising.
1: Oops! Oh, thank. Oh, <laughs> ouch! <laughs> ouch! That hurt. Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I I have known some pretty smart dogs, though, in my day. They are pretty smart. And they get everything they want. Here's the thing, Vinny. Without ever saying a word, they get everything they want. They get completely taken care of.
1: (laughs) Yep. That's for sure. Yeah, this puppy's amazing. Boy, what a snuggler she is. Comes up, puts her head on my shoulder, and like, ah. Oh, you got to love that. Oh, I know. I do. I do. Yeah,
3: sure. Yeah.
1: So what time do you guys start closing your show here?
3: Uh, Show's over at 6.30, my time. So that's uh, 8.30. No. Night time. Yeah, 8.30 your time. Yeah. Central time. Uh, So just a few minutes from now. We can stop anytime we want. It's up to us. I'm not hearing anything from Annie or Victoria, so
1: oh, well, Victoria <laughs> might check in there. She uh, she went to the little girl's room
3: just there.
0: Okay, I'm still here, Bill.
3: Well, do you want to talk at all, or you just want to hear me ramble on and on about animals?
0: <laughs> I will tell a dog tale since we're talking about the dogs. I was gone okay. for two weeks from my chihuahua and now she won't right. speak to me. Really? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Dogs are like that. <laughs> Ser- Serves you're right. <laughs> I uh... yeah, two
0: weeks. <laughs> it's hard though. I was looking forward to the reunion.
1: <laughs> yeah, two weeks is a long time in dog years.
0: Yeah, I know it was. Next time I'll take her with me to to my brother because she can see her parents. My brother has her parents. Hey, I'm back
2: on. I'm back on. Welcome back. Thanks, Benny. Thanks, Benny, for taking over. (laughs) I don't know. I just got a real bad panic attack. I think it was I was talking about... Uh, remembering back when I had to go by a different name just to talk about my abuse, you know. Uh, and all of a sudden this just overwhelming no problem. feeling came over me and I just yeah, I had to get outside to get air and walk around yeah. and ask me to cover for me. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks, Vinny.
1: Yeah, you
3: <laughs> Yeah. He's a good guy, oh, he did a good job. So Oh good. You can always rely can rely on Benny, absolutely.
2: Oh, I always can, and that's right. Yep. Yeah. He's the one that got me out of the state hospital, I'd still be there.
3: Yeah. Wow, isn't that something? Yep. Yep. Well, we're coming we're winding down the show here, so yeah. I don't know if there was anything you wanted to bring up or any anything Annie wanted to bring up, or anything somebody would like to call in and bring up, because that's the way they usually call in. They call in in the last thirty seconds, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <No. laughs> okay. sure. But just to make you guys aware that are listening and those that are on the line with me, we're we're coming down the pike here at the out of, out of is about out of time. I was glad
1: to hear part of your story, Bill.
3: Oh, my privilege, you can ask me anytime privately, too. I'll tell you anything you want to know anytime, okay? There you go. Got it. All right. Be well, Vinny, and thank you again for assisting tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Vinny said when you were away that he thought that the – The dogs could had uh, more intelligence than the two of you put together. I said, I'm not shocked to hear that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: I tell you what, you can learn
2: a lot from watching these guys. I mean, if they're tired, they just lay down and rest. If they want to play, they go play. (laughs) Yeah, they they get everything they want, don't they? (laughs) Oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah. They sure do. Yep. Just that look. And then, they Annie, give a look. And then yeah. Annie told the story of how when she was away for a little while and got home, her dachshund won't speak to her anymore. She's, she's so pissed oh. off that Annie left. <laughs> you know
2: what happened to my dog? My dog came over, and we just had gotten uh, Marshmallow's first haircut, and uh, really? he was just sitting there looking at me, and my daughter says, I have never seen him at you before. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Every time he gets a haircut and that first time, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even come near me for three days and he just kept giving me a dirty look.
0: That's funny. <laughs> I do to call
3: Yeah.
2: Sure. I'll punish
3: you. <laughs>
2: I gave him a silent treatment.
3: <laughs> That's
2: cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. And then, uh, you know, 40% chance the dog, or girl, is pregnant. And, of course, she's pregnant. <laughs> yeah, 40% that 40% could be a lot. For, oh, 40%. 40%. yeah, when they hooked up once, 40% chance oh. the dog's pregnant. And I told, I told Vinny, I said, it only takes 1%. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 so we're going to have puppies the beginning of October, yeah. so we'll have puppies for Christmas. Uh, That's
3: great.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: we we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I'll be updating my Facebook on uh,
3: how she's doing. <laughs> oh, I know you will. Uh, <laughs> don't forget, tomorrow you're due to get the supplies from Tammy. I sure hope they come through. There's oh, no reason yeah, to think they yeah. won't.
2: Definitely, and then Sunday, I'm having the Elvis impersonator out at my house for my 37-year right. sobriety.
3: That's right. Drugs and alcohol. Ooh. Yep, I know
2: it.
1: Wonderful. Then he
2: gave me my medallion at a meeting last night, and we went to get it. And it was a really fancy one. I don't know if my daughter arranged it or somebody else did, but if it wasn't a regular coin, it was a real fancy one. So I was amazed. Wow.
3: <laughs>
2: Didn't expect that.
3: Very nice. <laughs> yep. Now, I don't get it. Vinny kind of acts like he likes you sometimes. It's weird.
2: I I know. I know. Wait. What do you say? You act like you like kind of like me sometimes.
1: Yeah. Kind
0: of.
1: Yeah. Right. Kinda That's what okay. I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. We've known each other for thirty six years practically. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Isn't that that's great? great?
1: That's wonderful.
3: Yeah.
2: Really. Yeah, that's the good thing about it. We met each other sober. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Especially when I hear each other's stories about using and drinking. You know, it's like, boy, well, I'm glad I didn't know you there. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: Right, yeah, they, well,
2: they used to have a place called The Alternative where you could go dancing. It was a non-alcoholic bar out here, and it was just really a lot of fun. Tons of people went.
1: Yeah.
2: Great.
3: That's where you met?
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, we kind of met at the uh-huh. club, but we'd well, dancing all the time, yeah.
3: Uh-huh. Very neat.
2: Oh, we only got three minutes left, huh? Probably less than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's
3: well, that's what I was going to say. How do you, how do you want me to wrap up? Up to you. Um, whatever you want. You got your well, little, I can be your quiet. You, you can go. wrap up. No, you go ahead. If you would. All right, we didn't get any uh, callers tonight, which is you know it's a little um, disconcerting just because we used to get like five callers on one of these
1: mm-hmm. phone
3: calls. Uh, On a regular basis. But anyway, um, this show will now go into the archives. It will be available within a half an hour or so, roughly. We don't know exactly, but it takes just a little while. Uh, And uh, from then on, it becomes a part of the history of the NASCA organization and, you know, an additional archives piece. Uh, Tomorrow night, uh, there will be a a discussion show with Carol Levine and Laurie uh, Purcell uh, they're gonna uh, they're gonna leave that show tomorrow night, and then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we plan to have guests all the whole the whole week, um, and uh, and we're working on the following week because I want to leave you guys with uh, you know a full cadre of guests and so forth and shows that are all taken care of. So uh, that's that's my goal for the next couple of days. On Friday nights, which is tomorrow night, I generally do update the following week, uh, and that's what I'll do t- as well uh, on f- tomorrow night. And so over the weekend, you'll see the current group of shows that are planned. And as far as I can tell right now, there won't be any that are not yet booked for the following week. So Christina's um here going to take care of me when I get back from the hospital, so you can always call her or me. Uh, and Carol is going to, you know, put any put any wildfires out that, are, that need to happen while I'm gone too. She 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 knows this is all happening. And all right, so thank you very much, ladies. And um, you. anytime you want, we can play the music and get out of here.
2: All right, <laughs>
3: sounds great. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Bill.
0: Bye, everybody. Thank,
3: thank you, Vanny, for being on. You okay. Yeah. God bless. You. Okay. Yeah. Bye.
2: Tomorrow. Cause that's all You all Just
0: got to After all